0: Picking up in Ephesians 2, we covered 1 through 5 last week. We'll cover um, 6 through 10 this week. Um, Let's pray real quick. Heavenly Father, thank you for who you are. You're all-knowing, all-powerful everywhere at once. Uh, You sent your Son for us. You sent your Spirit inside of us so that we believe. I pray that you fill me with your Spirit so I can build up the, the, the saints in the most holy faith. Um, we thank you. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Ephesians 2, 1 through 10. He said, as for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live. When you followed the ways of the world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work and those who are disobedient... All of us lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our sinful nature and following his desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we are by nature objects of wrath. But because of his great love for us, God, who was rich in mercy, made us alive in Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions and sins. It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ, and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace, expressed in his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved, through faith, and it's not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast, for we are God's workmanship, created in in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do so picking up in verse 6 it says um and God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms so right now I want to stress the importance of the resurrection of Christ and the ascension of Christ for the glory of God and for our salvation um Paul said speaking on the resurrection First uh, Corinthians fifteen seventeen. If Christ has not been raised, then our faith is futile, and you're still in your sins. So Christ's resurrection is is crazy important to this to this gospel message. It needs to be included when you present it. Like Chris said a couple weeks ago, if you if we we don't serve a dead Savior, we serve a living Savior who's all-powerful, seated at the right hand of God, resurrected. Muhammad's dead. Buddha's dead. Moses is dead. Jesus is alive and well. Sorry, I'm already getting hype. I didn't mean to. There ain't even that many people here. but uh, so, so the resurrection is important. Um, also, we're, we're united to him in his resurrection. And Calvin commented on this verse, right? He said, it's as if... We've been brought from the deepest hell to heaven itself, raised with Christ and seated, of, seated with him in the heavenly realm. Why? Because last week, this is the deepest hell part we learned. We're spirit-born spiritually dead in Adam, in our sins, slaves to sin, following the evil world system who are dead in our sins, and slaves to sin, following Satan, following our own sinful nature, disobedient, that led to God's wrath. But what our verse says, and even after that, because of his great love for us, God who was rich in mercy made us alive. But this verse says, how alive did he make us? He raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms. Brought from the deepest hell to heaven itself, Calvin would say. So let's talk about it. As we... See, and, and last week, we were born in Adam. From Adam, his sin spread to us, death spread to us. Um, we followed the world because we were in Adam. We followed Satan because we were in Adam. They called Christ the second Adam, and we're united to him. See, Adam brought in sin. Jesus Christ, with his life, death, and resurrection, defeated sin. Right. He never sinned and then bore our sins in his body and it came bursting forth from the grave, defeating sin, make, taking us from slavery to sin, the freedom in him. See, he defeated it. The penalty of it is gone. And one day the presence of it will be gone, too. And the power of it is, is depleting in our lives because of the resurrection. What, what else did Adam bring? He brought spiritual death and physical death. Jesus defeated both of them at the resurrection, did he not? He gives us new life, and, and we're raised by the same power that raised him, the Holy Spirit. And did he stay dead? He beat death. He, he, he defeated it. Death can't hold him, right? I mean, it's just crazy how, how this resurrection is, is, is so important to the gospel and to us. He said, he said, I'm the resurrection of life. Whoever believes in me will live even though he dies. Death, where is your sting? defeated it. Not only that, he defeated Satan at the resurrection. So you know the prophecy in Genesis 3, 315, it says, the seed of the woman will crush the head of the serpent, but he'll strike his heel, right? So Adam gave in to Satan. Adam fall- and, and through Adam, we follow Satan. Jesus never gave in to him. You can, you can look at his life. He's tempted for 40 days in the wilderness. Did he ever give in? Absolutely not. And Satan threw the world at him. And he, he fought him with the word of God, never never gave in. And then it says Satan went, went away and looked for a more opportune time to come back. And I think that opportune time is when he jumped into Judas. And Judas betrayed him over to, to the Romans and the Jews to kill him, right? And Satan thought he had him when he's dead. We got him. You know what I mean? But what happened on Friday, Satan thought he got the victory, but then victoriously, Jesus Christ comes bursting forth from the grave in power, crushing his head. So Satan is, on, is like a slithering snake on his way to hell with his head crushed until Christ comes and throws him into the lake of fire. If, if we are in Christ, united to this victorious one, we have, we have the victory in all them, all them aspects. Sin, death. The grave, Satan, by Christ's authority. I'm in him. What you going to give me? He got Satan under his feet. He crushed him. What is he going to give me? If we're trusting in Christ, we walk in his victory. We've been raised with him to newness of life. Matter of fact, Romans 6 says you've been buried with him and raised with him right? And then Galatians 2.20, I've been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So not only is the resurrection for us, his whole life, his whole death His resurrection and the ascension I'm about to talk about in a second. So all of Jesus, what Jesus has done is counts for us. We're united to him. in His life, death, and resurrection. Am I, getting, am I loud? Am I too loud? <laughs> so So not only, not only did he raise from the grave, but then 40 days after that, after he showed himself to 500 eyewitnesses, more than 500, he ascended up in the clouds, seated at the right hand of God. And I said this a couple of times ago when I preached. If 500 people go to court and say you did something, you did it. So he got more than 500 people that said he raised bodily from the grave. And not only that, God said, come up here and sit down. Your work is done. Why? Why why is Jesus at the place of highest honor and authority and power? Because he's the only member of the Trinity to put on human flesh, come to this planet, fulfill God's salvation plan, not not to mention to to have to breathe. God don't have to breathe. To to, To have to get hungry, to have to get tired, to have to get sinned against like physically right and 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 he fulfilled God's plan he was called the lamb slain before the earth began and when he was born it says his name will be Jesus because he will save his people from their sins he came to live he's the only member of the trinity to live perfectly die absorb God's wrath and then live to tell about it and then God said come up here and sit at my right hand and, and and then this verse says God raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly realms your salvation is a done deal because because Jesus completed it perfectly you're eternally secure God, listen and God's in the future he already sees you he's in, he don't operate in time he's in the past the present and the future at the same time Christian you're already seen and seated in heaven and glorified he said that in Romans 8 didn't he those he predestined, he also called. Those he called, he also justified. Those he justified, he also glorified. It's a done deal. Jesus completed it. We need to walk in that. Because, because in Colossians, he says this. Since you have been raised with Christ, set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things, for you died and your life is now hidden with Christ and God. And then he goes even further and says, when Christ, who is your life, appears, so you also will appear with him in glory. Not only does his life, death, resurrection, and ascension count for you, when he comes back, you're going to rule and reign with him and share in his glory. Everything, who he is and what he's done, counts for us crazy crazy but all right i'm going too fast but anyway we've been raised with him and seated in heaven with him god don't lie that's a true statement as true as you can ever think he said it is true do we believe that because you need to believe that tomorrow at work you need to believe it when something goes crazy at home I'm seated, I'm resurrected. I have power to fight the sin I'm trying, I'm thinking about doing right now because it's wilding out. I'm, I'm seated in heaven, accepted by, by God in Christ right now before I start to act stupid, right? So here's the main reason though. Next verse. Why did he raise us up with Christ and seated us, seat us with him in the heavenly realms? Why did he save us to the uttermost through Christ? He says in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. Why did he save us? For his glory. God saves the people for himself, for his glory, and the people get the benefits of him glorifying himself. He sends his son to save you completely by grace to show off who he is, and we get the infinite benefits from it. Hold on, let me get a drink because I'm about to start yelling. So in Revelation 7, 9 and 10, John getting a picture of heaven, even taking up to heaven. He said, after this, I looked and it was a great multitude that no one can number from every nation and tribe and people and languages standing before the throne and before the lamb crying out with a loud voice salvation matter of fact clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands crying out with a loud voice salvation belongs to our God seated on the throne and to the lamb that's why he did it so see the great multitude that he's saving that's every believer for all time that's, so he raised every believer up with him, with his son, and, and seated him in heaven with his son. Think about the great multitude and the incomparable grace God has shown to us in every believer for all time. Can you understand that? Let me, I'm going to try to make you understand. So look, so for every believer for all time, from Adam to the end of the age, he clothes everyone who calls on the name of Christ with the perfect righteousness of Christ that he achieved. God demands that perfection. We can't do it for every believer for all time. Are you serious? They're all seen as infinitely perfect in Christ because his life covers them. We wrapping our minds around, I don't know, I don't know. (laughs) Look, from Adam to the end of the age, Everyone is on an equal playing field, seen as perfectly holy in Christ because of what he did. Infinite, incomparable grace. And that's what he's doing. Ain't nobody in heaven say salvation belongs to me. It belongs to God seated on the throne and to the Lamb. His righteousness. That's the robe he's talking about too. Clothed in a white robe. That's the robe of Jesus Christ's righteousness. There's a verse, I think it's Isaiah 61.10. I delight greatly in the Lord. My soul rejoices in my God for he has clothed me with garments of salvation and arrayed me in a robe of righteousness. So not to mention, not to mention, well, I already did mention, but from all time, all believers and you seen as perfectly righteous right now in Christ forever, incomparable riches of his grace. And also on top of that, even crazier, for every believer for all time, all their sins, Put on the Lamb of God, Jesus Christ, on the cross. Do, do you, can you fathom the amount of sin that is? How many ter- how many lies have you told in your life? How many evil thoughts have you thought that that thoughts that weren't for your wife or your husband that you shouldn't have been thinking? Committing adultery in your life. All of those, we bring millions of sins to the table. All those were put on Christ on the cross. Not to mention every saint in the Old Testament. All those sins were put on Christ on the cross. God hates those sins. Each and every time we sin, it's a, it's a holy law breaking against God's holy law, and it deserves His wrath. One tiny sin, one white lie deserves the wrath of God. We have millions of sins from, from Adam Adam to the end of the age every believer's sin put on the son of God and he was condemned crushed took the full cup of God's wrath suffered more than any man will in hell do you see the incomparable riches of his grace that he'll show off for all eternity salvation belongs to our God seated on the throne and to the lamb not no one else man it's crazy not to mention any believer for all time God made him alive to believe to begin with By his spirit. You are spiritually dead like we learned last week. He sends his spirit into every believer for all time so they come to his son. In the Old Testament, it was all those types and shadows that were pointing to his son. And he came and saved them from their sins when they believed. Goodness. And everybody in the future. And we'll talk about this later. But we get to get involved in that process. This great multitude in the future starts right now with you proclaiming the gospel you doing good deeds and we we spreading light into the darkness ah incomparable riches of his grace not only that like i said he he raised us up and seated us with him in the heavenly realms of christ jesus one day we will be where there's fullness of joy and pleasures forevermore and all we deserve is hell incomparable riches of his grace there ain't going to be no sin, no pain no suffering, no tears and we'll see the most beautiful being that's ever existed and will exist Jesus Christ and God the Father we don't deserve to be there either and he ain't have to save us listen I think I'm good on incomparable riches of grace part so look, no I'm going to stay here salvation is like this I'm not going to Defeat all arguments and all that. I'm just going to tell you the truth. This is how salvation works. In eternity past, God chooses a people to lavish his love on them, to save them, with this, love them with the same love he has for Christ. Then he sends his son to pay for their sins and live perfectly, die, raise and sin for them. And then he sends his spirit into them. Salvation. All of God. Right? And, and, and there's a dude, um, DJ Ward. He, he, he's a saint down in Tennessee he, he probably died like 10 years, ago. 10 years ago reformed charismatic dude and he was mocking people that say one day I woke up and I decided to come to Jesus Say, so yeah he decided nothing God saves who he wants to save and I'm going to go back to DJ Ward in a minute because this is on the top of my brain you know that saying you heard in the church where the Holy Spirit's a gentleman he don't force it last time I checked the Holy Spirit is the third person of the Trinity. He'll save and make alive who he wants to make alive. And it's the same one that God the Father chose and sent his son for. That might be hard to swallow. You might say that's not fair. You don't want fair. Fair means we're all baking right now. But anyway, DJ Ward said, "You ain't th- I decided to come to Jesus. He said, look, do babies decide to grow up? Do flowers decide to bloom? If we can agree that God is sovereign over nature, why wouldn't he be sovereign over the most important thing, salvation? God ain't waiting for you to make a decision. If he, if he was, he'd still be waiting. It's all of God. I could go down many roads. I'm just going to cut that off. So we, God gets the credit for our salvation for all time and eternity, and we'll praise him for all time and eternity. What's next? Next verse. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and it's not from yourselves. It is the gift of God. Let's stop there. Grace, undeserved kindness, unmerited favor. Um, this This is also a Reformation. It was about to be the Reformation party on the 31st. We're saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, for God's glory alone, based on the authority of Scripture alone right? So he said, it's by grace you have been saved. Sproul said in his uh, Reformation Study Bible, he said this word, saved, encompasses all of salvation. Every aspect. So he broke it down in a couple categories. Now I'm about to sound smart because they're big words. All right? So he says predestination, regeneration, justification, adoption, sanctification, and glorification. We talked about some of these already. But look, Predestination. God chooses the people he wants to save because, because, to glorify himself. We ain't had nothing to do with it. It, it was before you even existed he picked you. Why did he pick you? It wasn't because you were famous or, or smart. Look at me. You know what I mean? It wasn't because of you. It's because of him. Predestination. He chooses the people to save for his glory through his son, by his spirit. Regeneration. Born, being born again by the spirit of God. It's by God's grace that he sends his spirit. Right? To make you alive, to believe. Justification. Christ, this is justification. Christ was treated like he sinned all your sins, and you get treated like you lived his perfect life. Justification. Glorification, or or, or, um, adoption. And this is radical to say, but it's true. God treats the believer as if he is the son of God, Jesus Christ. He loves you with the same love he has for Christ. That's a reality. He, he, Matt, you know, he's, you're accredited in what Christ has done, and he covers you forever. That's crazy, right? So adoption, sanctification, that's where God, by his spirit, conforms you to Christ more and more, making you more and more holy more and more righteous hating sin more loving Christ more loving people more more and more like Christ sanctification and then finally glorification we already said that God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms John 3 I think if whenever we see him we'll be like him it's a done deal Sproul said this if you have any of one if you have one of those aspects you got all of them you can't have just one You got them all, because God saves, and he saves to the uttermost through his son, right? And then he says, predestination, I mean, not predestination, regeneration precedes faith. That's reformed theology. That's, matter of fact, biblical theology. Because you were spiritually dead, and dead people don't have faith. Dead people don't believe things. So regeneration, the fact that you've been made alive by the Spirit had to come before you believe. Right. So so what is faith? Faith is this. It's a gift of God that comes with repentance and belief in the person and work of Jesus Christ. So it's a gift of God where repentance, you hate and forsake your sin and any type of righteousness you think you bring to the table. You hate it, turn from it and trust in Christ. So you see that you're not righteous enough, but Christ is. You run to him. This is faith. You see that your sin deserves God's wrath, all of it. You turn from it and see the wrath absorbed Jesus Christ in your place on the cross. And you believe that he resurrected. You have new life in him. Ascended. He's your covering advocate. That's faith. That ain't come from you. That came from God. I don't got to go much further there. He says it's a gift from God, not from yourself. That's self so explanatory, right? I I, but but here's, what, here's what Spurgeon said. He said grace is a fountain and a stream, and faith is the aqueduct to which God merc- God's mercy flows to the thirsty sinner. That aqueduct is a gift from God. It ain't from you. You ain't just pop it up. He gave it to you by grace, right? I think we could, we're cool in that part too. Now, next section. It's, so we're saved by grace alone through faith in Christ. And then he says, not by works So that no one can boast I need a drink for this one for real Every false religion Says that you can earn your way into heaven True biblical Christianity says No one can earn it No one deserves it But one Jesus Christ And you get his credit Right? So, so there's no real believer in heaven ever got anything to boast in but Christ. Ever. Ever. There ain't no boasting. In any other religion, they say, you can do this, that, and the third to get into heaven. Or they take what Christ has done and say, you got to do more than that. That wasn't enough. You got to add to it. That work is perfect, and that's blasphemous. Listen, there is one person that can boast about salvation, and it's Jesus Christ. He can rightfully say, I left heaven and came to earth. I live perfectly in their place. I died on the cross for their sins and bore the wrath of my body. I resurrected. I ascended. They're covered by me. He's the only one that can boast. And he's not the only one that boasts about himself either because the father said, this is my son with whom I'm well pleased with. Listen to him. The father boasts in his son and gave him the place of highest honor and authority. That's really boasting, exalting him to the highest heaven. Not only that, but the Spirit of God boasts in Christ. And he wrote the whole word of God, inspired it. What's he say in the whole Bible? The whole Bible is about him, Jesus Christ. And even Jesus, if you look at his life, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. Boasting in himself, and he can't, because he's perfect. Mm. And we should boast in him if we're gonna boast in anything down here. Boasting in the Lord Jesus Christ. And, what, and what's the song that we're going to sing when we go to glory? Worthy is the lamb who was slain. We'll be boasting in him for all eternity. Ain't no room for boasting but in Christ. Ah, done with that section. <laughs> so, not by works so that no one can boast. Now he says, For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. So if you do good deeds now, it's from God. If you want credit for what you do, go to another religion. Because you ain't got nothing good in you now except for the Holy Spirit. And the work that He's doing is why you're doing good. We don't get credit here. Matter of fact, if we obey, what do we get? In, In heaven, we get a reward, a crown where we put it, at His feet. Because it's from him, right? We are God's workmanship. And he, he sends his spirit inside of us, makes us born again so we believe in Christ, right? And then he conforms us to Christ. In Romans 8 it says, and we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the likeness of his son. So he is shaping and molding us to look like Christ, Christians, and it's been predestined that he's going to do that. That's sanctification, like we talked about earlier. He's, he's working in us. And, and there's a verse that says, and I'm sure of this, that he who began a good work and you will bring it to completion at the day of Christ Jesus. God started the work. God's doing the work. God's shaping and molding us. Right? It's him. You can't take credit for this good that, that, that you're doing now. It's him. And then he says, Jesus said, you ain't choose me. I chose you that you go bear much fruit. Um, And that fruit is the fruit of the spirit Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control All those look like Christ, right? All those look exactly like Christ It's conforming us to Christ It's called the fruit of the spirit Not the fruit that you already had before you came to Christ It's his fruit And, And matter of fact, Jesus said, I'm the vine, you're the branches And my father's the vine dresser And I'm shaping and pruning so that you bear more fruit he didn't save us and he's not working in us and sanctifying us now for us to sit in the house it's so that we do good works. And then for encouragement, for, so you could, won't be afraid, hey, I, I prepared them in advance for you to do, right? So he's working in us to do his will, to do stuff he already set, us, set up for us to do. He, he ain't save you for you. He saved you for the f- people around you and the future and your kids and their kids. I'm glad that, 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 that Paul, Peter, James ain't say, oh, I'm saying I'm good and didn't do nothing else. We would have never got the gospel or whoever else after them. Edwards, Spurgeon, Martin Luther, we would have never got it. They went out. That's what he's calling us to do. Good works. So what's my definition of good works? John Piper had like a, a frame quote in his kitchen when he was a kid it says there's one life to live till soon it is past only what's done for christ will last that's a good work and and c.s lewis said this invest your time in the things that last forever so he said the word of god and your neighbor that's that's the mindset you gotta have if you're thinking you're doing good by the spirit right so Grass withers, the flowers fail, but the, the word of God endures forever. Let's talk about that first. We need to spend time in the word, personally, and that's a good work prepared in advance for you to do. Don't just read it just to read it just because it's your Christian duty and you check the box in the morning. I'm talking about studying it to show yourself approved like we've been commanded to do. I can't, maybe it's the way I am, but I can't fathom a Christian. This is like food. This is like food. How can you go without food? As a, as, a, as a Christian, every, just making it to Sunday to Sunday, you're never picking up the word. Blow the dust off of it. What was that saying? Somebody said, if, if, if your Bible's messed up, that means your life's probably not. And if your Bible's clean and pristine, your life's probably jacked up. Come on, pick it up, study it, because it's all about Jesus Christ. And this is a good work that we're called to do to, 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 to grow in holiness, to grow more like Christ is found in the Word of God. It's because the more we see the glory of Christ in the word of God, the more we conform to his image. Pick it up and read it. You got to. It's, it's vital. Not only that, prayer. Pray, talk to God. Spend time with him in prayer so that he's equipping you when you're alone with him so that you do good works. But the, the getting alone with him is a good work too, Right? So, and then fellowship, but not just random fellowship where we're eating and not saying nothing about Christ. We're Christians. This is a safe place to lift up the name of Christ. You could go to work and be scared to talk about Christ because you might get fired. We ain't getting fired. We're building each other up, right? So get around in fellowship with Christians and build each other up in the faith. Um, and that's a part of a good work too. We're called in Jude. As for you, dear friends, build yourselves up in the most holy faith. Pray in the Holy Spirit. Keep yourselves in the love of God as you wait for the mercy of the Lord Jesus Christ to bring you to, to eternal life. How you build yourselves up? Faith comes by hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. We need to be gospel-centered fellowship and come in here and worship in Christ, the ordinary means of grace. It all builds you up, all the good work. If, if you're doing it with, for the glory of Christ, if you're just coming here to check a box like I came, see, get my, punch my ticket, that ain't... He said, you'll seek me and find me when you seek me with your whole heart. That means you come in here to, to, to worship Christ and be fed, and it's just added to the nourishment you was getting all week through the word and prayer and fellowship with the saints. That's one. That's one aspect of good works. Your neighbor is a second. Who, who's your closest neighbor? First of all, if you're single, I wasn't going to break it down, but I guess this is what I'm doing. So, if you're single, you got more time to be in the Word, do you not? You ain't got somebody asking you to take you somewhere in this after. Look, study, spend time while you're single seeking Him with your whole heart. I wish I had that time back. I would have got into it more instead of flipping on the TV and not talking to nobody. This is my time. I'm not going, to, I'm not at work. I'm chilling. That's not what we do as Christians. Not that there ain't time for that, but you need to seek him wholeheartedly so you build up, right? And then you got more opportunity to minister to others, do you not? Didn't Paul say that? Did Paul say, I wish he was like me? Because you got more time. All right, I'm going to leave the singles alone. Now nah, we're getting down to the So if you're married, that's your closest neighbor first and foremost, right? So we're building them up in the faith. Every opportunity we can and, 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 and praying with them. And if you got kids, we're playing with our kids and we're loving on our kids. But the ultimate goal is to lead them to Christ and to build them up in the faith. So so it's kind of like this. Good works like meeting people's physical and emotional needs is like a gold ring, but it's a diamond ring. So the gold ain't that important. It's showing off the diamond Jesus Christ. So when we meet physical needs and emotional needs, that's good. That's just adorning the diamond, though. If, you just, just, if, if it's a diamond ring with no diamond, it's no good. We need, to do, so we need to do dishes for the glory of Christ, husbands or wives. We need to run the vacuum for the glory of Christ. We need to play soccer or whatever sport it is with our kids for the glory of Christ, ultimately so that they see our good deeds and glorify our Father in heaven so that they come to Christ or be built up in the faith in Christ. So we're not just doing stuff just to, just to do them, right? But, and now we've gotten to the community part, which is my, my thing. <laughs> like, I like going out, but we've been called to go out. Your thing might not be my thing. I like going up to random strangers and dropping a gospel bomb on them. Your thing might be a dude at work, and you already built a relationship, but we've been called. This is a proclamation type of thing, right? Um, what's that Leah Smith song we sang? The gospel of grace, we proclaim it. We now live to spread Jesus' fame. We labor for God has ordained it. Good works for the sake of his name. We... How can they hear the gospel if nobody's preaching it? How can, how can, how can we preach if we ain't been sent? They ain't going to believe in something you never told them. We, so if you really think or care, look, there's people at your job and there's people in, our, in your community and people around you, people where you go, that God has already preordained them to come along your path. And these people are lost. These people are dead in their sins, slaves to sin, following the world, following Satan, on their way to God's wrath. And we have the word of eternal life, Jesus Christ. The gospel is the power of God for salvation. We've been called to make disciples of all nations, right? Baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey all that I command. If they, don't, if they ain't saved, they ain't going to obey nothing he commands. First, to make a disciple, you have to bring them to Christ and the gospel so that they're forgiven and seen as righteous and saved first. Then you bring them along, right? So we got to proclaim this, however which way it looks like in your life. If you're, if you're a young dude and a Christian, you're at school all day around a whole bunch of lost people. If I was saved when I was 13, oh man, people would hate me. <laughs> <laughs> but but here's the thing. You are going into a dark, hostile world. Don't get it twisted. We talked about this last week. They hate the light. They love their darkness. If you confront sin, even if you confront, and I was talking about Jamal the other day, even if you confront a Christian on their sin, they're like, "What?" They get mad. <laughs> You're talking to non-Christians. You call me out on my sin, bro. But so. We're going into a hostile environment. But, but here's the encouragement. These are good works prepared in advance for you to do. And he didn't give us a spirit of fear, but a power, love, and self-control. Go and go. go. He didn't say sit in the house and, I'm, and watch Netflix. He didn't say that. He said go. Um, it's a call to action because, look, Did. Didn't somebody preach the gospel to you? How'd you get saved? Somebody went and did a good work preparing events for them to do. Whether it was your mom, dad, or on the radio, somebody preached the gospel to your wretched behind. You were lost, just like them. You were in the darkness, and somebody brought light to you, and God used it by his spirit to make you alive. We've been called to preach the gospel, and... And do good deeds, so meet physical needs and, and emotional needs, right? But it's not just them. So if you go give, give water to the thirsty in some country or around here, and that's it, that's great. Now their thirst is quenching, they're going to hell. You need to give them water and the living water Jesus Christ, right? Or if you go feed the hungry, and that's all you do, you never give them the gospel. Now they're going to hell with full bellies, you need to give them the bread of life, Jesus Christ. I'm almost done. Let me give you one, one example of that. Right? So a lot of times when, when my kids are gone or my wife's gone, I'll clean up for her, you know, do my good deeds for the Lord and my wife. But I, ain't, I can't just sit there. Maybe I'll work out. But I'm going, somebody's getting the gospel. So what well, was not last time, but one of these times I was in Turtle Creek sitting on this church step. A dude was walking past. I said, what's up, bro? He's like, I ain't got time, man. I got <laughs> I said, Come on, man. I'm like, look, I got a deep question and you go on your way. And he said, all right, man, what's up? I was like, where are you going when you die? He's like, dang, I don't know. I so said, I said, I'm just giving you an example of what, what to say because you could do it in 30 seconds. Look, bro, this is why we, none of us deserve to go to heaven. We all sin against the holy God. He hates it. Got to punish it. We all can't live up to God's righteous standard. We all, God demands you to be perfect. You can't do it. But that's why he sent his son. He lived perfectly. He died and took the wrath in your place. He resurrected from the grave, ascended into heaven. If you repent of your sins and believe in him, you're covered with him forever. Covered with his perfect life, forgiven forever. Be with God forever. He said, yeah, man, I hear that. But my girl just kicked me out. I ain't got nowhere to live. I ain't been living with, with nowhere on the street for, for a while. Like, that, I'll pray for that, bro, but it would be a shame if you, if you were homeless your whole life and then went to hell. He was like, You're right. That's true. And I gave him a Bible. He's like, Thank you. Thank you. So there's, so there, but that might not be your thing, but I'm just telling you, you can say it in 30 seconds. And it's the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes. It, you can do that at work. No matter how how much time you got, you could do it at a bus stop. You could do it at at a gas station. Whoever's coming around you, you know what another good thing is? Somebody asks you how you doing. Don't lie like we said last week. I'm good. Say this. Infinitely better than I deserve. My neighbor's like, what? It's like, look, man, I deserve hell, and I got into the gospel, see? Like there's opportunities for you, and and it's everybody you know everybody think about everybody in your life how many people are lost in your family it's serious when we get to get that close there's people that don't know christ in your family and i'm guilty of it too because you don't want to be the hated one at thanksgiving but they really going to hate you when you had the word of eternal life and they're in hell and you ain't say nothing because you was more concerned about yourself than them some of us got kids. Some of us got grandma, grandpa. Some of us got aunts. You know what I mean? There's people at your work that you laugh with and, and, and hang with and go to lunch with. Give them the word of life. Don't be scared. He prepared it. I'm almost done. Four more minutes. What else? There's people outside here headed for hell. Are they not? And not to mention, us in here need to hear the gospel. Some of us are down. Some of us are not trusting God at this moment. And you need to believe the gospel. So we are, as Christians, build each other up. I think I already said that, but let's say it again. We need Christ. We need to believe what God has said about His Son and those who are united to His Son forever. So we build each other up. Yeah, I'll, and, and we meet physical needs, too. I'll help you move, but I'm going to give you the gospel when you call me with a problem. Right? Come on. I'll help you all move, too. I'm, I'm good at moving. I can't build none. But anyway, it, it, comes, down, it comes down to this, man. How often, how often are you blown away with what God has done in Christ to save you? Because that should be something that blows you away on a daily basis. Because you sin on a daily basis and you ain't righteous enough on a daily basis, right? And then looking to what he has done on the cross causes you to be like, man, it causes you to hate that thing that you're doing and repent and follow Christ closer. He who's been forgiven much loves much. Keep running to Christ. Let's pray.